Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. Really glad you're able to join us uh, today. Uh, whether you're watching Church Online or YouTube or maybe catching up later in the week, it, it's really good and important to, to stop and meet together as a church family. I'm not sure how your past week has been. There's been a lot of changes. I know schools have now uh, broken up, so parents have to work out a new normal with, with managing kids. Uh, masks are now a thing you've got to wear everything. I'm not wearing one now because we're on video, don't need to. Um, but as we're trying to work that out, uh, and also that news that maybe there's a vaccine on the way, which is really good news. Uh, it's, we're in a situation where there's forever change happening, and uh, we're, we're mindful of that. But in the midst of that is we want to keep encouraging people to meet where you can. We can still have people in our gardens and, and still do phone calls and connecting. And I want to encourage us as a church to keep doing that on big scales and small, whatever you're allowed to do. We, we as, a, as a church are trying to work out what we're allowed to do. Uh, next week, um, Destination Holiday Club starts. Uh, used to be called Boomerang. And we're gathering almost 50 families are going to be doing stuff online and, and popping into church and gathering. It, it's a completely new thing that we're doing. We're trying to work out how to do that. It'll be in a total safe way. Um, but how do we connect people? Also, our Sunday gatherings, as news keeps changing, how do we gather as church? Uh, when we're able to, to be, gather together and worship and sing together, we want to explore how we can do that. Um, this week, we just had a meeting about some of our technology. You know, we have a fantastic team that, that make this possible and other things during the week. But for us to do stuff live at church, it means we have to jiggle things around and we're exploring that. Um, by the way, if you are interested in helping with our tech team, please get in contact um, because we are, we're basically doing something new again. It's, it's exciting. It's frustrating. But at the heart is we want to connect people together. And actually at the heart of, of gathering like this is about connecting with God uh, through a worship and through gathering around God's word. And we're going to be doing that in a few moments. But before, let's just pray, shall we? Father, I thank you that we have that privilege of coming to you, of fixing our eyes on you, of placing our hope in you. Thank you, God, that we were reminded last week that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I thank you that that aren't just some sweet words. They are truth that can help shape us and strengthen us and help us. Father, for those of us who are just still feeling so disconnected, maybe those who are feeling a bit fearful, those who are just frustrated, Father, I pray that we may turn our eyes to you and know more of you. Father, now as we, as we worship, as we focus on your word, I pray that you will speak to us, that we might be open to you and that we may be different as we gather together around our King and our Saviour. So come and speak, Lord, we pray. Amen. If you are part of our wider church family, you will have received our normal Sunday morning email that has links to a worship song list. Worship is so important to, to give worth to God. In scripture, we read that around the throne of God is constant worship going on, and we are invited to join that. Now, whether you want to pause this and, and, and stop and worship or do it at the end, I just want to encourage you to worship. It's so important to do that. Today, we welcome uh, another guest speaker. Uh, it's, uh, our speaker is Ian Coffey, who's the vice principal of Moreland's Bible College. Uh, Moreland's Bible College is just a few miles down the road um, in Christchurch. 
And we, we've had connection with Morelands for a long time. Just this past year, uh, Bev Price has been our intern from Morelands and we have the delight of seeing Bev as part of our church for the next coming years as well. Uh, we also have another intern joining us, a chap called Harry, who's going to help uh, with our children's work. So we're really excited about that. But I'm really excited about introducing Ian. Uh, Kathy and I have known Ian for a long time. In fact, uh, he married Kathy and I 27 years ago. And, uh, and Ian is an incredible Bible teacher, a real man of God, uh, a lot of wisdom. And uh, we are real privileged to have Ian speak to us today. So um, sit back and be open to what God is going to say to our friend Ian. Good morning, friends at Waypoint. It's a joy to be able to meet with you in this way. Thank you for allowing me to come into your homes this morning. And um, welcome to my office. This has been my home for the last few months. Uh, here at Morns College, we've been able to deliver uh, all of our teaching in this final term of the academic year via Teams. And so I've spent a long time uh, looking at this screen and students have had to suffer looking at me like you're suffering this morning. But it is good to be with you. I was due to be with you during the month of June while Mark and Kathy were away on sabbatical, but God had other plans. But I hope at some point it will be possible for me to visit your wonderful new building and to be able to share face-to-face -face fellowship with you. I'm going to read from Acts 16. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along the reading, uh, Acts 16, and I'm going to start to read at verse 6 down to uh, verse 10. Let's hear God's word. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And this is the word of the Lord for which we, we give thanks. I've been reading through the book of Acts recently and uh, I've just been struck again at how there's so much action on every page. It literally is a dynamic book. And I use the word advisedly, meaning power, powerful, full of action. And as I turn the pages of the book of Acts, it's, it's breathless. God doing this, uh, people coming to faith, healings, uh, riots, people being thrown out of synagogues, uh, audiences before Roman governors. It it's really is a breathtaking book, which makes this little section in chapter 16 all the more curious. Because it, it looks like a, a kind of a travelogue um, detail that perhaps we could skim over quickly and move on to the next exciting adventure. 
But Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, as volume two of his two-volume work, the gospel that bears his name was volume one, and then the book of Acts is volume two. Luke is deliberately telling us about something that was happening to Paul and his team that's significant for us. The title of my brief study this morning is Frustration. And I guess uh, most of us can identify with that because that probably sums up the last few months. Frustration. And frustration can give way to a feeling of lostness, a confusion, and sometimes even spilling over into anger. Heard recently about a, a story of two uh, British Army squaddies who got lost in the Iraq war somewhere in the desert. They were separated from their unit and were just wandering around when a jeep came along and driving the jeep was an American colonel. Uh, they didn't recognise his, his uniform or rank. And one of the squaddies said to him, hey mate, do you know where we are? And the colonel was much offended and said, do you know who you're talking to? And the squaddie turned to his mate and said, now we're really stuffed. We don't know where we are and he doesn't know who he is. You get, the, you get the drift of it. It can lead to that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And I think in part that's Luke's intention in including this story in his narrative of the book of Acts. A time of frustration. What was going on? Well, um, I was rummaging around in the college library earlier this morning and uh, came across one of these amazing flip chart maps, which we love to use with uh, children when we're doing Sunday school classes. But just looking at it perhaps helps us to understand. Uh, Paul and his team were moving up from Lystra and uh, they are moving along, bearing in mind they didn't have cars, they were doing all their journeying on foot over fairly well-travelled roads, but nevertheless uh, often dangerous at risk of, of bandits and, and so on. But their intention was to go into the province of Asia, probably to make their way down to Ephesus, which is just here. Ephesus was the bustling seaport, the gateway to this whole region. Uh, Paul was going to spend some time there. He spent almost three years of his ministry later on. But at this point, Luke makes a really astonishing statement. If you look in your Bible, it says there in verse 6, they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So there's Paul and his team traveling on foot, dusty, quite dangerous roads, and wanting to make their way across to the coast, and God stops them. Intriguingly, we're not told how that happened. A prophetic word. Um, somebody had a disturbed night of sleep and just came down in the morning and said, I, I don't think we're doing the right thing here. Uh, was it a political problem that had occurred? Did they get a message telling them the, the coast wasn't really clear or safe for them to be preaching about Jesus? We don't know. What we do know is they pressed on up further north towards the, the Black Sea. Uh, that's that whole area of uh, Mycenae and going into Bithynia. But then Luke comes out with another statement, verse 7. They came to the border of Mycenae, tried to get into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. There he goes again. It was God's handle on the door 
that was being closed. So what do they do? Well, they moved down to Troas, just here on the coast. Uh, we know Troas better as Troy, famous for the wooden horse. And while they're in Troas, probably having some rest and taking stock of the situation, Paul comes down one morning and says, I had a dream last night, in fact, more than a dream. It was so vivid, I'd call it a vision. And it was a man from Macedonia, this region over here, probably recognisable because of his dress, um, his accent. But Paul says he was pleading. The word that's used is a really strong word, imploring, begging, beseeching. This man was in distress. Come and help us, come and help us. And when Paul shared that with his team, they concluded that that seemed to be the best shot. God had closed doors, and now it seemed as if God was opening a door. Now that passage in Acts 16 is very significant for us. The reason it's significant for us is because it's about our roots, it's about our history. Waypoint Church, like many churches today, is made up of a mixed group of people. Some of us have come to faith in the last few months, the last few years, from no particular church background at all. Others of us have been associated with the church maybe since our very earliest years or teenage years. And so we'd say, well, my roots are Methodist or Anglican or Pentecostal or Baptist. Uh, Well, the amazing thing is, Whatever our tradition is that we come from, we find our roots in Acts 16. The reason is, as far as we're aware, the church at Philippi, which was where Paul and his team made their first stop when they entered Macedonia, the church at Philippi was the very first church planted on European soil. The gospel came to our continent through this incident, through Paul and his team going through weeks and weeks of frustration and then eventually hearing the missionary call come to Macedonia and help us. So our roots are in this story, which is quite remarkable. I wonder what it was like for Paul and the team during those weeks. I should think frustration is the word that sums up their feelings quite well. They travelled for miles uh, the, the picture on the map that I showed you is a bit deceptive because it looks a short distance. You're probably talking 300 miles on foot in a hot Mediterranean climate on vulnerable roads where you could be attacked at any time. And the journey plans were frustrated. And if you've ever been in any team, where things have not worked out the way that you expected them to. You know it doesn't take long for the kind of murmuring and the criticism and the challenging conversations to come in. This was a tough time for Paul and his team. Uh, Do you remember those of you who are fans of Adrian Plass, as I am, how he talks about one of the greatest tests of any marriage relationship is map reading in a car? I think you get the idea. It can be challenging. We ask questions. Do you you know what you're doing? Do you know where you're going? Have you got the instructions right? Have you really heard from God? 
This was a time of immense frustration for Paul and his team. And yet, at the end of this process, they receive a call that led them to go to a place that they wouldn't have chosen to go to and to bring the gospel to the region of Macedonia. And the church at Philippi actually became a very strong companion to Paul in his future ministry, regularly supporting him and praying for him. Things turned out far better than Paul and his team could have ever hoped during those frustrating days on the road. So what do we learn from that? God's allowed this to be written in scripture for us, not simply as a little travelogue or history lesson, telling us a bit about Paul and the frustration he experienced on his journey. Everything that's written in scripture is written for our encouragement, our instruction, and to give us hope in the journey that we're on. These last months have had lots and lots of frustrations. Some of them in the big scheme of things, relatively minor. Frustration to do with our job, um, having to homeschool children, uh, not being able to go on holiday as we'd planned, having to miss out on special anniversaries or being at friends' weddings. But for some, for many in our country, There have been far, far deeper frustrations than that. Not being able to go to the funeral of a loved one. Not being able to visit and sit with some of those members of our family as they've slipped away from this life to the next. Not being able to take care of elderly relatives and just being alongside them and giving that that hug and that squeeze. Those are big frustrations and they give rise to all kinds of feelings within us that are not always easy to express or to live with. I think there are a number of lessons here that we can draw from this story and I want to pull out four and and mention them briefly to you. Lesson number one is God guides his people. You say to me, Ian, that's obvious. I know, but often the obvious we miss. Right from the beginning of the Bible, all the way through, we have this narrative of God leading and directing and speaking to his people. God drawing alongside them. Sometimes there's a period of silence, but then after the silence, his voice is heard. And that's a great encouragement to us. It reminds us that in spite of the frustration and the cancelled plans and everything we've had to rearrange, God is ultimately in control. Nothing has taken him by surprise. And therefore we can trust him and rest in him. Now that's not an easy thing for us to do because um, we're just surrounded by answers, aren't we? But we haven't got an app that deals with this. We can't spend our way out of a pandemic. We can't just find a a quick pill that will protect us. We're in a challenging situation and many, many generations have experienced similar and even more dire challenging situations. And they found that God is good and that God guides his people. And maybe today we need to rest in that truth and remind ourselves and to remind one another that God is the God who guides, who leads, who 
provides all that we need. Here's the second lesson. The journey is as important as the destination. Now to go back to my map, uh, Paul and his team were in Lystra and they were going to go to Philippi. God could have taken them from there to there in one step. The word could have come to them when they were back in Lystra. The dream, the vision could have happened then. So what was all this about? It was about God working in the lives of Paul and his team and teaching them things. Now, we don't know specifically, but we know enough about our own journey that when we go through periods like this, it can draw us closer to God and to one another. We can learn again about prayer, trust, patience. We can learn about relying on each other and receiving one another's encouragement and help and support. All of those things are good. They're about perseverance. And perseverance always develops character when we're submissive to God. So this journey is as important as the destination. Yes, God have could God have got them there much quicker, but he was teaching them things. So there was refining that was going on. And I know it, it's easy to say this, but far harder to go through it. Maybe some of us at the moment, God is doing some pruning and refining in our lives. I remember my wife telling me once as I stood by our microwave, shouting at it to hurry up. Darling, I think God needs to help you with that issue of patience. She was right. But we're like that. We say to God, I, I, I want to know the fruit of the Spirit in my life, but I, I need to know it quickly. Well, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't grow quickly. It's something that is developed through time and through adversity. So what do we do? We embrace the will of God in these days of frustration and ask God for grace that we may grow. Lesson number three, be prepared for surprises. I think because Paul and his team had gone through so much, they were in a place where they were ready for something that was surprising, something that was left field, something that they would never have countenanced. Because they'd run out of the possibilities, it was almost as if their energy was sapped and they were open to anything. If I can use a, a personal story, years ago, uh, I was asked, invited to take on a job. And I didn't want to do it, simple as that. And uh, I had a list of reasons why I was the wrong person for the job, I didn't fit the profile, and so on. And uh, the people who'd offered me the job had quite graciously given me a period of time to reflect and think. I still remember one morning reading the story of Moses in the book of Exodus, all about the call of Moses. If you remember the story, he was uh, in exile. He was working as a, a herder of, of sheep, working for his father-in-law. And there in the desert that he'd become very familiar with, he suddenly saw a bush on fire. Nothing unusual about that, because often bushes would spontaneously combust in the hot desert sun. But as he looked at it from a distance, he noticed this was odd. It wasn't being consumed. 
it wasn't being burnt up and then being left as a kind of a smouldering, smoky mass on the ground. It just carried on burning. And the verse that leapt out to me was the verse that says, Moses looked at the bush, saw that it wasn't consumed and said, I'm going to go over and take a closer look. And as I read that verse, I felt challenged that that was the opposite of what I was doing. I was absolutely convinced. There's no way God was calling me to this job. Here were the reasons why. But then I realised that I hadn't even looked. My mind was so closed to the possibility, I wouldn't even give it the time of day. Now, you can guess what happened. I went and looked. I stopped telling God the reasons why it was wrong and started to listen. And as I listened, my eyes were opened and a surprise took place. And I accepted the job and it was the right thing to do. But notice, a bit like Paul, I had to be brought to my senses. I had to come to that place where I was willing to go back on my own judgment, my own assessment, to listen to God. Two verses from the book of Proverbs that have been life verses for my wife Ruth and I. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Wisdom. Lesson number four. When it comes to guidance, it's usually more we than me. Did you notice in our reading that in verse 10, it, it changes? Luke writes, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Uh, this is a, a really significant part in the book of Acts because there are several places where Luke writes himself into the story. He goes into the first person plural, we. They're called the we passages and this is the first of them. So the inference is that Luke was in Troas or joined them in Troas and at this point, he joins the team. So when we read on in Acts 16, the exciting story of how the church in Philippi began, which, by the way, do read on. It's, it's a dramatic story. Luke was there. He was an eyewitness to what took place. But the thought here is that as Paul shared with the others, it was a corporate decision. It was a group decision. We concluded, we took that decision that God was calling us to preach the gospel to them. You see, one of the things that we get wrong is when we look at the, the book of Acts or the New Testament as a whole, we see a figure like Paul and feel that he was just some solo individual player. But read through his letters carefully and you'll see he was never a solo individual player. He always had a team around him. Often at the end of his letters, he, 
he mentions people by name that have either been with him and have moved on or are coming to join him. He sends greetings from them. He was a team player. He may have been the headline act, but there were a lot of supporters around him. And I think there's an important reminder there for us that in times of frustration, in times when we're not sure where to go next, whether to take that particular decision to move in that direction, it's good to remind ourselves we're part of the body of Christ, to share with friends for prayer, to be open to their guidance, to their words of wisdom and understanding into our situation. Not to go alone as soloists, but to realise that we're part of the body of Christ. We're responsible for one another. The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. And that can be the burden of frustration. The burden of praying for us as we work through an important decision. Four important lessons about learning from God in a time of frustration. What are the implications for us? Well, if you think about it, that first point, God guides his people, reminds us about the importance of listening. I don't know whether you've discovered this. I, I found it really helpful that in my prayer times, it's good to pause and be silent, not to speak, not to come up with another list of needs and, and requests, but simply to be still. Because often in the stillness, we hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's good to quite deliberately ask God to tune out those other voices that can come in, that cacophony of sound that can confuse us hearing the voice of the Lord, but to really listen to him. Probably like me, you've, you've said that silly thing that we sometimes say, I wonder what the Lord's trying to say to us in this situation almost suggesting that God has a speech impediment. God has no difficulty speaking. Read the Bible, you'll see he's a very talkative God. Now the difficulty is in our listening. Sometimes in our high-tech world where there are so many distractions, we need to turn off the telly, switch off the radio, put the iPad down, move our phone into another room and be still and listen for the voice of God. The second lesson, the journey is as important as the destination, reminds us that learning is needed. You may have been a Christian for a few months or for many, many years, but disciple means learner. And so when we come to God, to come not with our preset ideas, I will do this and I won't do that and I will move here but I won't move there but just simply to say Lord we're open no strings attached I want to learn I want to grow the third principle was about being prepared for surprises and that needs openness a bit like me and my stubbornness where I wouldn't go over and look at something openness you know, the last words of a dying church, we've never done it this way before. Maybe God's calling us to do something new, something different, something that fits the now, 
something that may be a road that we've never trodden before, but it's a road that God's calling us to take. And then that last lesson, with guidance, it's usually more we than me. That takes humility. Humility before God to say, Lord, I haven't got it all. It may be that you want to speak to me through a sister or a brother. Maybe it's important for me to humble myself and say, I haven't got the answers. Will you pray for me? To mention to my my home group, I've got an important decision to make this week or there's an interview at work. We, We as a family are facing a bit of a crossroads. But humility is what's needed when we seek the favour, the help, the support of others. So those lessons on guidance are important and they remind us that we are part of the body of Christ. And in the same way that Paul and his team were led of the Lord, he can lead us too. Here at college, we have a programme that we run called PDE, which stands for Personal Development Exercise. Ask any Moreland's graduates and they'll tell you it's a bit of a highlight of their time at college. We take a whole bunch of students away to an outward bound centre for three days and we go through a whole list of different things, fun things, fun activities, but they've all got a serious purpose. They're teaching us about leadership, followership, teaching us about problem solving, decision making, teamwork and what it means to face adversity and learn lessons from it. One of the exercises that we do each year, it changes each year, uh, involves a plan that goes disastrously wrong. And uh, it's a surprise. It comes as a bolt from the blue. And we look at how they respond to a situation over which they have very, very little control. The next day, we sit them down and we talk about the four P's. We explain that in our lives, we often come across circumstances that we can't control. And that can produce frustration. It can can produce a feeling of helplessness. And that's where the four P's come in. We say you can act as a prisoner, that's the first P, where you just feel trapped by circumstances and you just lose any hope, you feel despair, you feel abandoned and lost. Or you can respond as a passenger, that's the second P, a bit like the person sitting on top of the bus. You're not driving the bus, you're in no control of where it goes or when it gets there, you just look out the window and see the passing countryside. The third option, which many of us take, is protester. We get angry. We get angry with the situation. We get angry with people. We get angry with ourselves. We get angry with God. It all comes spilling out. We stamp our feet and wave our placard that says, it's not fair. Prisoner, passenger, protester. Here's the fourth P participant, where we say to God, Lord, I don't like this and I want it to end, but I want you to work in me for my growth and for your glory. 
and I'm willing to share with you in this experience in order that that growth might take place and that your glory may be received. They're the options. And I want to suggest to you today as we listen to God's word, which is given to us to instruct us and help us, not just when things are going well, but especially when things are not going well. Which of those categories fits us best? You see, as we try to explain to our students, there are many times in life when you can't change your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. What do you choose today as a response to the frustration, whatever that may be, that you face? Let's pray for a moment together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I pray today that you would shine that light on the path in front of us especially for those of us who've been living with frustration, uncertainty, not knowing what the future might hold, but knowing that you hold the future. Lord, fill us with your peace and with your joy and help us to choose a good attitude today in responding to what you want to do in us and through us. And we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for inviting me to share with you and God bless you through this week. Ian has just shared a lot of just incredible truths about scripture and some real practical truths. We're not going to be able to do all of those and I don't want us to get overwhelmed with trying to chase all of those points. So my challenge for you is to do this, is to ask God what one thing, what one thing from that teaching does God want us to to hold on to? Is it about listening? Is it about about trusting and being part of that? Is it about just humbling ourselves? What one word has God said? And I want you to hold on to that and then the rest of this day reflect and say, God, how do I step into that truth to encounter more of you? During whatever frustrations you're facing, God, I I want you to be bigger than my frustrations because you are and you want us to encounter more of you. So what one thing? Thank you for joining us. I pray this coming week may be a a week of richness that you may continue to worship God, that you may connect with people in new ways and you may go deeper in the way you follow God. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. Mm